Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Nick and Frank Fighting Takes. And today we have a jam-packed show as we are going to be recapping the last two fight nights from last Wednesday and last Saturday. Nick and I are also going to be playing matchmaker a little bit, uh, determining what fights we want to see next and reacting to a bunch more news in the UFC world. So let's get right into it. As always, Nick, how you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. You know, had a fight week to watch, so it was thrilling. <laughs> Absolutely three cards in, in one week last week. Uh, I know we had a ball watching those, so let's just start right into it. Uh, Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. Um, a lot of controversy is surrounding this one as Glover Teixeira with two 10-8 rounds, but Anthony Smith wouldn't throw the t- uh, his corner wouldn't throw the towel in. Um, what do you make of them not throwing the towel and letting him get a bunch more damage done to him? I thought throughout the fight there were problems with it because you could hear from his corner there was like a you just kept heard constant yelling. Mm-hmm. So and it was always changing like throw some jabs, do a combo, take him down. It was always changing, even like a few seconds in between. Right. Um. What was it, round three or four, did he say his teeth was falling out? Yeah, I, I, it was one of those two rounds. And then there was a moment where Anthony Smith was on the ground up against a fence and his tooth fell out and he handed it to the referee. So, I mean, if that's not a telltale sign that this dude's in trouble, man. Uh, but Anthony Smith, uh, respect to him, went on a, uh, an interview. It was either with uh, Brett Okamoto or Ariel Hawani and pretty much said that um, he, he has one rule with his corner, and that's to never throw the towel in. And they listened to him, and they never threw the towel in, but they've been getting ripped left and right. Uh, I know Chael Sonnen uh, really voices discussed uh, about this uh, corner not throwing the towel in. Um, and I, I think that's sort of overshadowed the, the performance by Glover Teixeira. We both picked Anthony Smith to win this fight, um, and Glover Teixeira really put on a performance. So what do you think about Glover uh to share his performance in this fight to to get him back up in the light, light heavyweight discussion. He looked ten years younger. He did. <laughs> That's what I can say about Glover. Um, he his game plan worked. Like it was on point. There was no there was no uh, thing I can really critique on it. It was just all working for him. I mean, he did get caught a few times, in the, like in the beginning of the first round. Yep. There were some jabs and hooks that slipped through, but I mean, it all worked. I mean, you got to give credit to Smith. He is a warrior. But if you're a corner guy, you got to say when, how much damage is enough to where this guy's gonna have this guy's on the like uh, on the edge of getting something permanent, like permanent that's not, uh, non-recoverable. No, I absolutely agree, and I think uh, Teixeira's plan worked uh, excellent. Uh, survived the early barrage by Anthony Smith, uh, let Anthony Smith tire himself out a little bit, and then just really poured it on with two 10-8 rounds. Would have been a, a third 10-8 round if. It ultimately didn't get stopped in the fifth round. So uh, hats off to Glover Teixeira. Now he moved up uh, all the way to number five in the late heavyweight uh, division. So who do you who do you think he should fight next as we play a little matchmaker? Well, I mean, we did predict this fight before, and we said, you know what, we don't need to worry. Lionheart's got this, and yeah. he's going to have a rematch with Santos. Well, I guess we won't see that happen. So, I mean, I don't know how uh, – Santos' recovery is doing after that Jones fight, but it's been a 
a while. I think it's been around eight months. Yeah. Um. So I would like to see Glover fight Santos. I mean, they're both in the top five. I think that's the only fight that makes sense. I know. I th- I also thought I told you this before. Maybe he can fight Blaskowitz. But I mean, Blaskowitz following two knockouts, decisive knockouts. I know you wanted to see Blaskowitz fight Reyes, which I'm perfectly fine with. Yep. Because in the later, in the future of this uh, video uh, episode, we're going to talk about our boy uh, John Jones. Yep. And a, a lot. Move. Yeah, but a, a lot to talk about John Jones' light heavyweight division. But I, I feel like it all depends really what John Jones decides to do, uh, whether he wants to keep trying to retain his light heavyweight belt or move up to heavyweight. Um, but for me, I guess the only fights that really make sense. In, in, in this division is, uh, like you said, uh, Teixeira versus Santos and, and Blackowitz versus Reyes. I, I see those are the two fights uh, they should uh, they should make. Um, and obviously, if like Reyes or, or Santos win, maybe they get another rematch with John Jones uh, to try to get the championship if he doesn't vacate the belt. Like he said, we're going to talk about it a little later. But uh, I, I 100% agree with you. Those are the two fights that Dana White and the matchmakers should be looking to make. Uh in the light heavyweight division. So hats off to Glover Teixeira. Hopefully Anthony Smith can uh, recover because uh, he's always a, a ball to watch. But as that was the Wednesday card, uh, we moved to Saturday's card and Alistair Overeem uh, fought Walt Harris. Walt Harris scores the early knockdown in, in round one. Uh, but Overeem bounces back like he seems to always do um, and gets the TKO of uh, Walt Harris in the second round. But I mean, the Walt Harris's uh, walkout to the fight was uh, pretty emotional, holding up a T-shirt of his uh, of his daughter. Uh, what you what you think about Walt Harris, uh, his, his return, how he looked, but ultimately uh, Overeem uh, gets the win. So, what'd you make of it? I I watched the whole fight through. I thought Walt Harris looks like he didn't lose a step. He did. He he got caught with a head kick that had ultimately ended the fight, where he got he dropped to the ground in the second round. But first round, I would say he looked great. I mean, it looked like he didn't take that much time as he did off. I know, obviously, the loss of his uh, daughter would weigh heavy on him, especially you could see that in the beginning of the fight, like you said, yep. and even throughout the fight, even in the post-fight interview. But, I mean, Overeem came to play, and he got the he got the TKO. It was a, it was a good fight. I mean, I would love to see uh, uh, Walt Harris come back up uh, uh, out of this as a better fighter. Yeah. And hopefully we can see both of them again real soon. Yeah, speaking of Overeem, he also did an interview with ESPN, and he just turned 40 that same night, that last Saturday night, um, and he says he can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, who knows how much he'll fight more, but either way, a hell of a career for Alistair Overeem. But let's say he does want to fight again as, as the UFC updated the rankings, and he did not move up at all. He's still at number eight. Um, so really the whole heavyweight division, but speaking of Overeem, who do you think he should fight next? Maybe Rosenstrike, since Rosenstrike's coming off the loss? Or they just fought, actually. What am I talking about? But what do you think about this? I mean, doesn't it feel weird that Overeem's only 40? He's been in this fight game so long. I, I thought he was hitting 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought we had a Yo Romero situation. Yeah, he's been, around for, he's been around for a minute. <laughs> yeah, this guy's literally fighting in his 50s. 
to see who he fights next, I mean, it's hard because, I mean, that heavyweight division is the best it's ever been. So there's a lot of tough competition and a lot of fights that are pretty much booked now. I mean, I know beginning we were both surprised that because we thought one of them was going to fight Volkov and Volkov's fighting Blades. Yeah. Um, And and another thing, uh, all these dudes have pretty much fought each other. So yeah. <laughs> uh, the only fight that I thought would make sense in the heavyweight division would be Lewis and Blades haven't fought each other net, uh, haven't fought each other yet. But like we found out right before uh, we started recording that Blades has uh, a date with Volkov in June. So um, I, I threw out the name, maybe give Greg Hardy a real test and maybe give him Alistair Overeem as Greg Hardy's still not ranked. Uh, but maybe throwing him the number eight guy is a little too much. Um, I'm not really sure what to make what they should do with this heavyweight division because it is it's stagnant we're all waiting really to see uh uh miocic cormier three uh maybe ninganu's about to fight john jones john jones wants to get in the heavyweight mix so it's it's really log jammed if you if you're probably outside of ninganu and cormier if you're number three and down you're sort of kind of in this lull right now where you're just waiting for everybody else to really fight it out so what do you what do you make of the heavyweight division if I was if I was in the corner to uh, match up Overeem, I know he's fought him ago, uh, before, but it has been about five years now. I would have to fight Dos Santos. I know he beat Dos Santos, but I mean that's the only logical choice I can make at this point. For Walt Harris, I'll probably give Walt Harris someone like uh, Fabricio uh, uh, Verdum, yeah, just because he's also coming off a loss. And also, he's coming off a layoff, too. So, they they both had these, like, warm-up fights. So, now they're back into the mix and just put them both together since those guys haven't fought. And I think those would be both good matchups for uh, all four fighters. Yeah, I definitely agree um, that those are the fights you, you could potentially make. But what, what would you make about uh, maybe giving Greg Hardy a, a top 10 guy, like maybe Walt Harris coming off a loss? Um, or potentially like an Alistair Overeem? I think he did, uh, Greg Hardy does deserve it. He's shown us at this point that he can mix it up with the best of them. Um, I would probably give him top 15 or like a uh, journeyman, a age journeyman like uh, uh, Andre Arlaski, yeah. who I believe is coming off a win mm-hmm. from a decision, I believe. Yep. I would give him an uh, aging veteran like that because then you have somebody who has like tons of experience and then we can see Greg Hardy versus experience. Because, I mean, you can see in his past fights, even with uh, Alexander Volkov, Alexander Volkov's still young in, t- in this game. Oh, yeah. He's only, he's only been in this a few years when Arlovsky, you could give him Olenek, who right. has 56 fights, <laughs> I believe 56 wins. And, and Volk- um, Volkov would be a lot higher in the rankings... If, if he didn't get that last second loss to Derek Lewis, he, maybe he would be in the top five, potentially. Yeah, he was winning that fight, too, until... That was going to be a unanimous decision. <laughs> then we all know what happens, but... Yeah, but if I was, if I was uh, scheduling the Greg Hardy matchup, I would give him a, a rising veteran, like a Arlovsky or, or Linux. Yeah, I think that makes sense, but I mean, we might as well just stick with the heavyweight division as... This division might potentially be getting the the greatest fighter, mixed martial artist ever. John Jones has been teasing, been going back and forth with uh, Francis Ngannou. Uh, that maybe that's the fight to make. Uh, 
what do you first of all we'll start off what do you think about a potential Francis Ngannou and John Jones fight I think it would be great I think I mean this guy can't fight for the heavyweight title so why not give him the biggest name in the UFC uh, well pretty close to the biggest name I know McGregor's still yeah one of the at least way, one of the biggest draws in the UFC biggest draw yeah one of the biggest draws yes yeah. um, it would be a huge payday for both it would it would obviously be a main event. I can't think of a title overlapping oh, that kind of fight. Not a chance. Uh, uh, it would be a great fight. I mean, it's hard to predict it now because right. we don't even know if this fight's going to be set. Right. Uh, it's basically a power against technique because we know Jones. He has all the technique in the world. And... I don't know with reach category because I haven't looked into it. I think Jones does edge him up in that too. But it would be a great fight all around. Right. But like I said, we can't predict it because we do not know if this fight's going to happen. It's been speculation at this point with Jones calling him out. Yeah, Dana White said anything is possible. So, I mean, I guess it is possible. I mean, that would be probably one of the biggest fights in UFC history and and I look at it like the winner of that obviously gets immediate heavyweight championship, uh, gets the next heavyweight championship fight. Um, but there's a lot of factors involved with it. I mean, we all know Cormier, this is his last fight either way. Um, so, I mean, it, how funny would it be if Cormier would beat Stipe and John Jones beats Ngannou? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then Jones and Cormier three, but in heavyweight, I mean, I Probably percent chances of that happening, zero point zero point one percent. But something like that would be crazy. Uh, but I mean, I, I always thought uh, Stipe was one of the guys who could give John Jones uh, trouble. And seeing them fight fight at heavyweight, obviously, if uh, both fighters, if Stipe beats uh, DC and John Jones beats Ngannou, but I mean, there's so many so many big names in this heavyweight division. But it's also so top-heavy where uh, all, all of these dudes really in, in the top five have have uh, claims that they could fight for the championship next. But uh, but excitement level for, for Jones and Ngannou, would, I mean, it's just through the roof. N- Ngannou, I mean, I kind of was hating on him a little bit, p- picked Rosenstrike to beat him, and that, <laughs> I'll, know, I'll know how that turned out. 20, 30-second uh, uh, knockout for Ngannou, but... Ultimately, that fight would be crazy to watch. I hope it does happen. Maybe that's the the biggest fight on Flight Island, if that were to take place. Um, but let's just get this heavyweight uh, division moving. Let's get Stipe, uh, DC3 moving. Let's get it a date. And then if Ngannou Jones happens, I mean, yeah, obviously the winner of that gets the, the, the championship belt next. But any final thoughts on potential matchups in the heavyweight division? Nah, like you said, it's top-heavy, and pretty much everybody has a case to fight someone, and then half the people don't have a, fight, a case to fight other people because they've either beat them or lost to them. It's like the top 15 has just all fought, fought each other, and it's difficult to predict to move on. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, and another thing we want to touch on a little bit, um, the, the, the quickest retiring and unretiring in UFC history, <laughs> uh, Henry Cejudo's manager... Pretty much just said that the the retirement stint wouldn't last long. So pretty much, I know we when we first talked about this, uh, 
when he first retired on the podcast that we thought it was a play at Dana Waite maybe to get more money. Um, do you ultimately think that's what that was? I think Triple C is about to become Quadruple C. Getting get paid. Think, I think they're going to have him fight uh, uh, Alexander. No, oh, no, the, no way. Over over uh, Max Holloway? He's got to get his rematch. I believe he's like, okay, Triple C, but I mean, he's Triple C has been like uh, beating all of his opponents and he, in a dominating fashion, even though the Cruz one was iffy because it looked like he was standing up, he still... He was still going to win that fight. Yeah, he still was going to win that fight. Um, if this was a play to get more money, bravo, because, I mean, his manager did say he's come back in the summer, so obviously he either got his money, or like I said, we're going to see quadruple C, <laughs> he's going to fight Alexander. Man, I hope, I hope not. I hope we get to see Max Holloway fight for the featherweight championship, but I mean, that would be crazy. We already thought Henry Cejudo was cringy before, but if he gets four belts, look out. <laughs> um... But on a little sobering note, another thing we want to touch about is uh, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov's dad, uh, sadly, in a medically induced coma due to uh, COVID-19 implications. Um, so, obviously, Nick and I's hearts out to the whole Khabib family. Um, probably tr- very trying time. So, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, our hearts out to him. Our prayers are with him. It's really tough. I mean... Hopefully we're getting out of this pandemic soon, and hopefully he'll be out of his coma. I mean, he's a we've seen him on like UFC. He's always in Khabib's corner. Oh he yeah, seems like he seems like he, he's a guy who knows his stuff. And, oh, absolutely. And, and seeing uh, uh, when uh, Khabib uh, defeated Poirier, uh, seeing that celebration of of Khabib jumping over, um, and, and pretty much just jumping right into his dad's arms, it's. It, it really beautiful. It was a really beautiful thing to see. So, uh, obviously, our hearts and prayers go out to Khabib and his father. Hopefully, he can uh, come out of this stronger. Um, just, just really hope, uh, hoping he pulls through. And it, it, it's really nice to see um, the whole pretty much UFC community come together and rallying for Khabib's dad. Obviously, we know uh, just a fight like Connor uh, has beef, but he's praying for him. Dana White's praying for him. Everybody's praying for him. So, hopefully. Uh, that Khabib's dad can can come out of this stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing we want to talk about, um, are you, probably the one of the biggest names in the UFC, but he doesn't even fight. Uh, he announces, boy, uh, Joe Rogan's making the big podcast jump, uh, signing a deal. I don't know if it was north of a hundred million, a little less than a hundred million, but that's number that's the uh, the number the report put out. A hundred million dollar deal to to uh, sp- uh, podcast exclusively on Spotify, uh, a licensing agreement where he's just the the podcast is going to be exclusive to Spotify. Um, I believe they said September first is when it starts, um, and then uh, near the end of the year, all the clips will just be on uh, Spotify. So, what do you make of this this huge payday that Joe Rogan got? <laughs> Uh, I already thought he was one of the biggest names around the world. This is just going to increase his, like, popularity, especially after everyone hears this deal. This deal. Um, but, I, I mean, it's well-deserved. I mean, I watch his podcast weekly. Yep. It's fantastic. 
I mean, I'm just surprised on the amount of like special guests he get. Like he had Elon Musk twice. He, uh, even though that yeah, today, today's episode was like I always get the notification from YouTube. Today was just casually Tony Hawk. You know who, who, who who's that? <laughs> yeah, he had Robert Downey Jr. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm just he to had, see how. I mean, he had Bernie Sanders too, presidential yeah. candidate. I mean, he can. I mean, he, he his uh, podcast and his uh, clips reach millions and millions of people. So I think it's uh, very well done. Obviously, he had a huge uh, platform base off when he was the UFC's uh, starting announcer. Um, and now he's their main announcer and catapulted his podcast. So, I mean, I saw him in concert. Uh, not really in concert. It was technically a concert. His comedy show when he came to the Wolfstein Center in Cleveland. And, I mean, hilarious guy. Um Love my guy Joe Rogan. I don't know what to say. So uh, so ecstatic for him. And uh, and the one thing that was iffy about it was uh, whether he was actually partnering with Spotify if they get a say in what he does. But nope, uh, he gets full complete control over his show. Uh, staying the rights. <laughs> staying staying the exact same. Uh, just gonna be on Spotify now. So it, it'll be interesting to see because I know um, you and I both love the JRE clips page on. Uh, YouTube, where you, you don't really have to watch the entire show if there's a segment or two or a conversation that's kind of eh. You can just go to the, pick out the ones you like. So we'll see if, if Spotify comes out with more video. Uh, but either way, I mean, Joe Rogan's getting that bag. <laughs> He's yeah. getting the bag. And, yeah. and and another thing that it'll be interesting is, I mean, if he's getting this, who knows what the contract set up. I doubt he's getting all this money at once, but he's already talked about that he's the announcing for UFC is kind of on its last legs. He was there for every show. Now he does about maybe 10 cards a year. So hopefully uh, getting all this money won't take him out of wanting to travel and do all that uh, for, for UFC. Because I know obviously Nick and I, and pr- pretty much everybody loves Joe Rogan who, who, who watches UFC and wants to keep him uh, announcing longer. So hopefully he, he keeps announcing. So any final thoughts on that? I think it's great. I mean, you got to get that money any other way. Um, yeah, the, I mean, I'm going to be sad to see the clips go because, I mean, you're right. If there was the uh, topic that's kind of in, you watch the basically the bullet points when you watch the JRE clips. So we'll be sad to see that go. But, hey, he's getting a bag, and that's what all, that's all what we're here for. So yeah. congrats, Joe. Uh, we're going to timestamp this. This is a uh, May 20th, Wednesday at 4.54 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Nick and I, in, in about 20 years, maybe we get, we're getting the bag there, Nick. <laughs> we're, we're next up. We're, we're next in line. Yeah. Um, but we did. I did want to talk about one more matchmaking. We kind of, uh, I kind of forgot about it at first. Um, there was a fight companion for this last car on Saturday where Joe Rogan does... Uh, Eddie Bravo, um, Brandon Schaub, and Brian Callen all get together and watch their fights. And obviously this was the first uh, fight companion after the Tony Ferguson loss. And he talked about uh, Eddie Bravo in detail, um, about how he was chosen to be mic'd up, either, even though he's the jiu-jitsu coach, and he thought it should have been one of those, uh, his striking coach or his head coach, be mic'd up. Um uh, but I know you watched the clip of him talking about it. What did you make of Eddie Bravo's thoughts on the fight itself um, and his decision to to be uh, having to go talk to him where he didn't, doesn't want to be the head coach? 
what I heard throughout the clip, he said, you know, it, it, it was a new experience for him because you know he's just a uh, he's just a uh, grappling coach. Yeah. He wasn't expecting to talk to Tony Ferguson at all. During, like, I mean, you know, like not to be the main guy talking to him. And also, he said he couldn't see it because his uh, car got robbed. Yeah, ripped. So that that's tough for him because he didn't have his classes. Uh, but I mean, what do you tell a fighter? Because I mean, it, it was it, it should have been a striking coach because I mean, you saw through all five four rounds that they were just going at it. I mean, Ferguson was given it. <laughs> I mean, Gaethje was given to it to him, but Ferguson was taking it like the best of them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And then you have a fighter like that. I know. I, I keep forgetting what that uh, submission's called. Oh, the Imanari roll. In, in, yeah, that. Uh, he because um, uh, Eddie Bravo said he he froze up, and that's all he could <laughs> think of. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, then again, he didn't really try it until like the last second before he got. Uh, unfortunately, the fight had to be called off because the team wasn't fighting back. Um. But it was a new experience for him. Hopefully, Ferguson comes back stronger than ever because you know Eddie Bravo's his grappling coach and his boy. And hopefully, we see more Ferguson again. And hopefully, Bravo gets used to the new role. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, did want to talk about one more thing Eddie Bravo said. Uh, now, this would for sure be the the biggest card in UFC history. Um, he talked about a potential uh, Khabib Gaethje. Uh, light heavyweight championship into the co-main event be Tony Ferguson versus Conor McGregor. <laughs> that one would be, that would sell millions and millions of buys. Uh, I guess the first question is, I know excitement level would be 50 out of 10, but what would you think about that potentially? Uh, I would be uh, a little bit more excited than most people. I mean, hopefully it works. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be one of the, that would definitely be the biggest card ever. Uh, but I, we talked about it before. Uh, they, they wouldn't do that because I mean Ferguson and McGregor would be their own main event anyway. Uh, so that they wouldn't want to stack the deck there. Um, so we will definitely see what happens. Uh, obviously, Khabib and Justin Gaethje is the next fight they are going to make, um, and Tony Ferguson. Coming off the loss, obviously, uh, but still number two didn't didn't drop at all. Uh, just dropped the one spot. Obviously, Gaethje is the interim championship now. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Tony Ferguson. I, and I mean, still with Dustin Poirier's potential uh, coming off the loss to Khabib hasn't fought since. Um, and then Conor McGregor is is still there, uh, biggest name in the sport. Uh, so we'll definitely see where the UFC goes next. A lot of humongous fights uh to make here in uh all across the board every division has has stacked fighters all coming for the throne so that will uh that, that will conclude episode nine uh, of nick and frank fighting takes uh we will see you guys next week when we talk about woodley and burns um and uh much more so thank you guys for tuning in